Welcome to another edition of the Week Den Update. I'm your host, Will Walker, and it's a parade inside his city. Yeah! It's John Kraft. Welcome to the show, John. You're welcome. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, starting to come back to the thought of there might be a parade in our city in a couple months here. It was a big week for the Grizzlies. As um, last last weekend's episode, we did our ten game prediction, and uh, these were the first three games of that ten game prediction. Three and zero. It wasn't without some drama overall in each. I feel like uh, the the one last night was probably uh, the most drama free, but we had some records broken. It was just a really fun night of Grizzlies hoops. Three. Three games at home as well, part of this larger homestand that we're on with this one-off game uh, in Atlanta coming up tomorrow night. So we've got a lot to get into. And actually, uh, surprisingly enough, I would say a pleasant surprise for us. There wasn't a ton of news to hit on that didn't already happen within each of these games. And so we are going to forego our news section, maybe for the first time ever on this podcast, which is really refreshing, John. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. After the last two months, I, I would take an entire season next year of no news, honestly. Um, yep. It is, it's good to not be uh, in the news at all, except for basketball reasons for last week. All right, so I think we are going to go backwards. And similar to last week's episode, we, ha- we each have some notes just taken down about the games that happened this past week. So we're going to unpack all of those, and then we're going to get into the upcoming schedule. We might take a look at the crowded West to see how things are falling right now. It's hard, and I'll, I'll um, I guess, spoil some of that conversation real quick, but basically it is hard because you look at the West literally every day, and things are changing but near the top, we're starting to see a separation. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I think we go backwards, John. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about last night because the Grizzlies almost set a franchise record for scoring, which they um, did in that game against the Thunder, uh, where it was the record-breaking NBA performance. And I really thought, I mean, near the end, we scored two points to get to 151. The record was 152, about a minute and 10 left. And then you see David Roddy cross half court with the ball and, and run the shot clock out. Yeah. So I really thought maybe, you know, one more bucket, maybe get it to Kenny Lofton because you know he's going to put it up. But uh, the Grizzlies do not quite get to that benchmark. But they did have a uh, three-point barrage led by Luke Kennard who broke the single – game three-pointers made record of the Grizzlies with 10. Uh, actually, there were a few guys who held the record at nine, including our own Jaron Jackson when he was unconscious against the Bucks back in a Christmas-esque game in in, uh, in 2019. So it's been a while since yeah. that. And then Mike Miller, I believe, he apparently was, was unaware of, of that record that he held <laughs> when yeah, I got exactly. about Hill last night. Yes, uh, but Luke Kennard was absolutely unconscious, and the Grizzlies had an offensive performance where they had 42 in the first quarter, 41 in the second quarter, 36 in the third quarter, and 32 in the fourth quarter. Um, a team that has held their hat on defense most of the year just had offensive explosions. Of course, it helps that it was against the lowly Rockets, but John, what was your biggest takeaway in just an exciting night for the Grizzlies last night? Yeah, I mean, the biggest, uh, well, I mean, the funny, one of my funny takeaways was uh, it, last night was another good reminder why we do, why I prefer cleaning the glass, which is uh, 
Because, you know, whereas it rewarded us last year because we had a last year. Last year we had a bench unit that would have for sure gone for the record because um, they had no mercy. We have a bench unit that struggles a little bit more this year, uh, you know, and so we missed out, you know, could have had one more bucket to, to get the, the franchise record. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think for me the biggest, uh, po- you know, the, the big picture takeaway for me was this – like we took this one seriously. We just played this team. It was a little closer, and we'll get to that game in a minute. But this was, hey, we we're feeling ourselves. Uh, we're going to to play with um, with kind of an intensity as much as you can do with one of the worst teams in the NBA. But we're going to come out and we're going to have no mercy. Uh, we're going to go for it. And and kind of show what we're capable of, and it reminded me a lot of kind of the best of the times last season when we would just wreck teams, um, and it was kind of like, man, if we're hitting shots, we're gonna blow you out, and and that's what it felt like. Um, and, and the other thing, just the biggest, the the fun thing, and it's been building, but just the joy being back—that's the biggest thing for me was the smiles, the joy, um, you know, the the sort of uh, making some plays. Where that are awesome, but you kind of worry that they're going to come back to bite you down the road sometime um, when teams aren't as lowly as as they are now. Uh, but that that's what you know. Those that's the quick is just the joy. I mean, it was I you know I I was at a thing last night, and so the game was on in the background, but I didn't. I only kind of got glimpses, but I could just. It was one of those. There was so much joy that like coming out of the screen, I was like, oh, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch this whole thing. Uh, at least until the garbage time of the fourth quarter, uh, because I want to watch it closer than I can. And uh, it was just so much fun to see uh, everybody smiling again. I just think we went through a period of time in late January and early February where nobody was smiling. It didn't seem like people were having fun. Uh, it was like we were crawling to the all-star break. And so it just has been – it was just – it was like a celebration at FedEx Forum. It's what we – it's why I think you know we go to Grizzlies games. It's what we hope for. It was, it was just great. Yeah, I agree. Have you had a chance to watch March Madness yet, John? Have you seen uh, Kansas State play? I have a little bit. I have a little bit. Yeah. So, if you look at March Madness right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to the Grizzlies here, but you look at the teams that are heading to the Elite Eight right now, and Kansas State to me leads the charge in this respect, where yeah. it's a team that's peaking at the right time. And in, in this college basketball tournament, it you see historically, it's not always who has the best team. At the end of the day, it's who's hot right now. And this it's it's different from the NBA because it is a single elimination tournament and momentum is huge. Mm-hmm. But I would say in a longer NBA season, you're seeing contrasting stories in the top two teams of the West. And it reminds me of the March Madness situation because right now I think the Grizzlies have kind of gotten their slow stretch out of the way. They've gotten their slump. And when I say slump, you look at the last 10 games, eight and two in those last 10 games, and John Morant's only been in two of them. And so I think you, you, I say slump, but I'm also really, it's really not a slump based on how the Grizzlies have been performing in their results. But overall, I would say, in terms of the team joy, like you were saying, yeah. it does feel like a slump, and we're on the upswing of that. And so it's almost as if 
to me, we're, especially with how the team is shooting, by the way, in the month of March, the Grizzlies are sixth in three-point percentage and fourth in three-point attempts. Actually, I might have those flipped. I think we're fourth in percentage, sixth in attempts. And I feel as though the team has had their slump and they're peaking right now and getting hot at the right time. You're seeing the Nuggets, who are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. It's almost like, okay, we're, we've – all but locked up the top seed. Of course, there's still some games left, and if the Grizzlies are hot and the Nuggets aren't, there's a chance the Grizzlies could catch them. I don't think it's very likely, but it seems like a team that's sort of resting, and it's the rest versus rust debate at that point, but that's how I feel about this team. There's this March Madness mentality that the team is ready for the playoffs. It's almost as if um, given that Steven Adams is out, given that they've lost a guy in Brandon Clark, they have a nothing to lose attitude and just going out and playing and you we can get into the John Morant discussion after this too because I think that the way that he's come off the bench in the last two games has been interesting and how the team has played in his minutes versus not and the energy level there and it's almost as if like you have this this game or game within a game here where uh the minutes with jaw the minutes without jaw you have these the this team that's just playing so together and yet has this superstar there's just a lot going on yeah. but at overall moral of the story i feel pretty good about the team right now assuming we continue this energy on in the next 10 games what do you think no i mean that's to me i mean uh, the vibes are great and you look at you know comparing this to last season which i think so many people were uh down uh, on this season compared to last season because because of some of the injuries, obviously, um, because of the jaw, of course, stuff, but just because that we, it didn't seem like we were playing with joy. It, it, there's just a lot of stuff going on. It feels like, you know, but but last year, part of the issue, I feel like we were very similar to the Nuggets this year, uh, last year, in that, you know, jaw, we kind of rested jaw a lot because he had kind of a nagging injury. And then we, uh, we kind of just slow played into the playoffs. And honestly, uh, I think then got caught by a T Wolves team that was the best team in the second half of the season that had just won a play in game and was kind of ready. And we got caught that, that first game and it made the T Wolves kind of uh, into a series that I think uh, that on paper, I think it shouldn't have been as much. And, and I, I'm hoping that, that we learn from that experience. And I like that we're kind of doing the more ramping up like Jenkins talking about, I want to get, you know, our core guys, 35, 36 minutes uh, as we go, as we get close. And, you know, and I'm sure we'll still shut down for the last game or two, hopefully, if we can clinch kind of where our playoff seat is. And uh, and so I, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I mean, and this is, you know, another sort of big picture thing, but I think it showed in this, like, I feel like last night was a culmination of this and that. Uh, you know, it's not a silver lining. We I, I, Give me Adams back yesterday. I'm ready for Adams to come back. I'm still sad every time they show uh, or I see Brandon Clark on the sideline in crutches um, because there's just a real sadness there. But I will say that that what happened was Jenkins was allowed to get in the laboratory and figure out, okay, I don't – we're not going to have this sort of rebounding advantage potentially anymore. So what, how, what can we do? And I feel like he's found these cool small ball lineups, uh, this very interesting lineup, which is a, a jaw um, point guard, Bane Kennard on the wings, Jaron in the middle, and then take your four, whether it's Dylan, Aldama, Roddy, but like 
hey, pick and roll Jaron and Jaw, Bane and Kennard are, are out there. What are you going to do now? And and I think it's been it's been pretty devastating. And and I and I'm excited about it. Um, I'm excited about those kind of potential uh, lineups that we're throwing out there. And I feel like we've probably maybe sacri- you know we're now going to sacrifice a little bit of rebounding, but it's going to make our offense way better. And it shows. I mean, like what, the percentages you were just throwing out there. Um, I think it's going on long enough to where it's not just a blip. You know, I don't know if we're going to shoot it this like uh, like we did, you know, last night, obviously. But but it's 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 just exciting stuff, and I just and it's been frustrating for me because the national narrative, I think, uh, still, and it's like kind of like they haven't caught up. I think the last couple weeks is, you know, what they do is they offensive rebound, they win the possession battle. That how can they do that if they don't have a healthy Adams and. You know, it's going to have to be turnovers and fast break points, their half-court offense. And again, like, since the All-Star break, I mean, it's not All-Star break, since the trade deadline, we're like 11th or 12th. I think we might even be higher in cleaning the glass in half-court offense. Like, I think we're starting to show that that is coming around. Of course, we still need to see, can, with, with Jaw having higher minutes, can we lean away from sort of the Jaw, just take it to the basket every time, uh, fourth quarter offense type thing, but but all that said is, I just think uh, the vibes are great. I'm super positive. Um, you know, I guess I've never wavered in thinking we can still easily make a Western Conference Finals. Uh, and I don't know if if I want to begin to dream beyond that, but uh, but I really like where we are right now. Yeah, agreed. And I think we had always talked about if this team can just shoot. I mean, they have all the other parts of the game figured out, and. That's where I think nationally people are, they have this set of data from a bulk of the season, and they're saying, this is the Grizzlies team right now, when it's not. Like, the, the, the things that have changed are, since we don't have a non-shooter on the floor in Steven Adams, since we also don't have a non-shooter coming off the bench in Brandon Clark, we've completely changed the way we've played. And if you look at the last three games, there are multiple times in each game where Santi Aldama is the five on the floor. And yeah. We don't rebound worth anything in those lineups, but we sure as well shoot. And you're looking at the results of us shooting in the last three games, this offensive explosion. We also give up, you know, a ton of points back to in back to back games against the Rockets, which I that's the one thing I was annoyed at is the backdoor cuts we were mm-hmm. allowing, um, the different ways in which our, our rotations broke down, our help side broke down. And and that just comes with lineups that haven't played together and then also prioritizing offensive production over defensive stopping. So it's just, I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, I think you are, you're, you would be an error to put the same expectation of how the old Grizzlies with Adams, with Clark have played and apply it to this new set of, of players that are playing together that haven't played together prior in the season. And so it's funny, I pulled up the five man lineup that actually made the comeback against the Mavericks on Monday night. And oh. it was that it was Tyus Jones, Luke Kennard, John Conchar, David Roddy, Santi Aldama, 14 possessions plus 66.7, by the yes. way, net rating in those possessions. And so you just look at that's a type yeah. of lineup that would have never ever yeah. played earlier in the season. And so we have to put the new expectation. Right. On. And that's, you know, and the hope is because that was a game um, that, 
uh, like we needed to get some stops to get back into the game. And so that my hope is that, and, and that's why I think the next few games are really interesting. My hope is that we can bring that kind of defensive intensity that we brought for that stretch in the fourth quarter or just the whole fourth quarter. I mean, basically, you know, they didn't score and that we can bring that and that the, that the, the Rockets scoring was more just about knowing that we were way better than them. But, you know, that's the hope that we I can bring that defensive intensity. But, but I mean, I think we're going to be playing. I mean, you're going to see with Kennard especially, we're going to be playing this game of can our offense with him on the floor and the spacing that creates, uh, is that offense good enough to make up for the fact that, yeah, teams are going to start hunting him defensively on the other side. And, and that's, like, that's, that, that's playoff basketball. That's what makes it fun. That's, what, that's the kind of stuff. That's why we pay Jenkins. Like, he's going to have to decide, you know, those kind of lineups. But I do think, you know, big picture, there's this narrative that this is the way Grizzlies play. We can't zag. And I just, I just think the last two weeks, two, three weeks, uh, totally proved that wrong. Like, we very much – can uh, play a different style and be be very effective. Yeah, and to say it in another way, you know, we always had said earlier in the season, the Grizzlies don't have a scheme problem; they have a personnel problem when it comes to shooting. Yeah. Now we st- it's the same issue, just the other way. We right. don't have we have we don't have a scheme problem. Obviously, we're getting the shots that we want, and we have the personnel now to beat you in a different way. But the worry for me is we're going to get into a playoff situation where we need to play the other way and we might not have the personnel to play that other way, just the original Grizzlies. So it's, it's the same problem, but the opposite direction and we'll see how it evens out. Because to me earlier in the season, you look, like you said, you pulled the half court numbers from recently versus the half court numbers from earlier. And that would tell you we're in a better spot now than we were going into the playoffs. Cause truly the game does tend to slow down in the playoffs, and you have to play more half-court. Now, let's get into John Morant, because he did come back. It was, it was announced that we would have... Uh, you and I both thought that Ja would be um, coming back and would be a full participant, uh, probably start, but it was announced very recently, or recently right before the game, that Ja would actually be coming off the bench. And one of the things that I thought was interesting... And my theory on it was, and it was further, and he made a few comments to reporters about this, but it seemed as though this was a jaw decision because all we heard coming in is that if jaw's medically cleared, then Jenkins was like, he's going he's gonna to play. He's going to be fine. But he doesn't start. He comes off the bench. To me, this seemed like a jaw decision from the start. What did you think about everything? No, I definitely think it was a jaw decision. I mean, I think it was, it, it was always interesting because jaw would kind of be like, We'll see, we'll see, uh, you know, about everything. Whereas Jenkins was like, no, he's going to definitely play. And um, and it does feel like and, – and they did say that they're going to reexamine it after tonight about him coming off the bench. But, you know, and so I don't know if, if it was the fact that, you know, last time he came back from a long absence uh, last season, they struggled a little bit, like it was a little awkward, and he just didn't want to deal with that. Maybe it was just honestly – you know, he's talked about his discomfort and just feeling awkward coming back uh, into the fold and just kind of getting used to everything again. And and so it could be that this is just the way he feels more comfortable uh, uh, playing uh, and, and kind of getting back used to it. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, there is a sense in which we have 
kind of what we were talking about with learning to zag. I mean, that's what we didn't have Adams and have Clark, didn't have Jaw. We learned to win without them, and now we got to learn to win with Jaw. And of course, anybody who thinks we're better without Jaws, you know, you're crazy. We, we definitely need Jaw, but maybe that is the way of thinking about how can we better, um, you know, connect Jaw. And it was interesting because I was worried about it with getting good lineups, but but uh, Jenkins has kind of done the rotations where he's coming in at the same time that Bain and Jaron are kind of coming back into the game or kind of leaving Jaron in longer. And so Jaw is still getting a lot of minutes with Bain and Jaron, uh, which has been which has been good to see. Jaw only played 19 minutes last night and he led the team in plus minus, plus 30. Like yeah. Jaw was like sixth on the team in minutes. Yeah. And again, I think we should all... Uh, Take a step back, look at the opponents from this week. We've yes. gotten lucky with the Mavericks injuries, playing them three times in such a short period, yeah. and only one game where you have a Kyrie Irving who also, by the way, had a bad ankle uh, midway through the game and has been yeah. in a walking boot uh, since. And so you have to put the context around it, but at the same time, what no better opportunity for you to slow play the jaw return um, I think it's worth touching on the uh, the redemption hoodies. It was a little on the nose for me, uh, and I think that's been sort of uh, made fun of slightly nationally and just kind of a lack of awareness. It's worth pointing out that Ja said it was a, completely his family's call, like it had nothing to do with Ja um, trying to, to make that happen. And so I, I guess... My stance on it is I kind of wish it wasn't there or it wouldn't have happened. I think it's just kind of distracts from this whole, like, what are you being redeemed from? And that's when you look, when you really analyze it very closely, it kind of falls apart in terms of just like a true redemption tour. At the same time, it's kind of like this is kind of part of the deal with Ja, and I think he, he's he got a family who's really close to him. The way that they've probably perceived the situation is different from any of us because we've been looking at it very objectively. They've been experiencing the day in, day out, so it's probably felt like a longer period of time for them, and this is how they want to express their support for their guy in Ja. And so I think it's it's definitely, you know, you're putting it out there in the public eye, and take your shots, it's going to be, you know, I think, again, I wouldn't have done it. I think it's kind of goofy. And at the same time, I just kind of hope that now that Jaw's back on the floor, we can we can stop talking about everything else and start just talking about his performance as we move into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it is, you know, I would, I, I probably had a similar reaction to you. Um, and But then also I feel like I uh, often find myself uh, having having the opinion that I guess the casual fan or the, the normie, as people like to say, uh, does not have. And so it was very interesting to me just interacting uh, with a lot of people who don't follow stuff like we do, um, who kind of thought like, oh, that's sweet or nice, you know. Um, and But then I will say, I mean, universally, <laughs> it was not appreciated on Twitter. It was not uh, – very seen as very cringe. I feel like I've heard – uh, five or six major NBA media podcast, uh, you know, types, people with votes uh, in awards and stuff, all be extremely negative about the sweatshirts. And, and I think, honestly, I think, I think there's been, uh, I think 
T. Morant and the Morant family, I think there's been a, a for sure turn in kind of public perception from the media towards them uh, that that's definitely happened as well. And so there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's very interesting. I think that that Jaw is has kind of lost that the the cool factor with the NBA hipsters, and it'll be interesting to see if he can regain that with on court. But it does feel like that's there's a lot of PR stuff going on that's very interesting. I do think that the kind of normal casual fan uh, that that I think they don't mind stuff like that. They think it's cute. Um, you know, they're fine with it. Uh, you know, they're as far as like like they're not looking at at a Kari, Kari's sweatshirt uh, when she's like uh, when she's being cute on the sidelines. They're just excited that he has a daughter that's being cute. So I don't know, but I mean it is it is. It was weird uh, from from my perspective. I, I kind of I'm with you there, but I also think that the NBA media kind of has overblown it some. Let's have the All NBA discussion now uh, yeah. while we're talking about Ja, because I think we might. I, I'm I'm not sure if we w- if we do actually have a differing opinions here, but overall, I think when you're looking at people predicting their All-NBA teams, some of which have a vote, some of which don't. They're just building them um, themselves, which I don't know if we should do that. Maybe at some point when we have the whole gang together, it would be a helpful exercise for us to go through and give our All-NBA teams because I think there's different philosophies at play and people judge it differently. But overall, my thought on the matter, and I shared it last week, was there's an opportunity for the Grizzlies here, and it could very well be a positive one where Ja does not make an All-NBA team, whether he's deserving because of the fact that over the course of his contract, he would he would, the Supermax would not be triggered, which means that the Grizzlies would have an extra $40 million to play with and extend their current te- players with and not have that uh, cap allocation go to Ja. And I think in addition to that, there's a chip on on your shoulder element to all of this where the Grizzlies had been playing all season really well. They weren't the one seed, but they were the favorites on most nights when you look at individual matchups. They were talking a lot. Every everything happens about a month ago and everybody has flipped on the Grizzlies. And this is where I think we might differ. While it is frustrating where you see where who is being put on these All-NBA teams that don't have the winning resumes that some other guys might, I love it. I love that we are getting so much hate, that we are getting, uh, that we are getting entirely written off as a team to where you look at you know anybody who's talking about the Suns or the Clippers or the Warriors, where if they get if they get a first round matchup against Memphis, who's to say they couldn't just walk in there and turn it on? Like I love being under the radar. It's where I prefer to be going into the postseason. I, I like that we are approaching a an all villain sort of uh, identity, if you will. Now, do I love when we step into that and play the part? No, I don't always like that, but I love the public perception going the opposite way. And I, I for one, I'm on the record now, and I will say it, like, I think long-term benefits outweigh short-term satisfaction when you're talking about John Morant on an All-NBA team. 
Do I think he's not going to make it? Like, I think when you actually look objectively at resumes, it's really hard not to put Ja on one of these teams. And, but I don't think he's guaranteed a spot. And to me, that would be a better outcome overall for the team attitude for if you're looking at long-term at cap sheets, but I don't even put that number one. I put this playoff run right now and next season going into it with a revenge mentality. I think that's when this play team plays the best, when they're the underdogs. What do you think about that? Yeah, so uh, Chris Harrington said on, uh, I think on the radio earlier this week, he said that it's probably better for the, it's better for the Grizzlies long-term for Jaw not to make an All-NBA team this year. Uh, but what's even more important is that Jaw does not think that the Grizzlies does not want him to make an All-NBA team. So Very good clarification. Sense, yes. So, you know, so I agree with you. You know, it is funny because I do, I do think you're right in that, like, if, uh, if Brooke Lopez beats out Jaron for Defensive Player of the Year, if Jaw does not make an all-NBA team, if Jenkins comes in third or fourth in coach of the year, like I do think that there is going to be um, some a, a very short – so there will be a short-term uh, this season advantage of, of the chip on the shoulder that would be really fun uh, to see. Um, you know, like – and D- Dylan doesn't make an all-defense team or whatever. So I think all those things would be great. I think that – uh, you know, long term, obviously, we know we understand that. I mean, it's basically like um, you know being able to sign you know uh, another good rotation player if Jaw does not get it. And so I, I totally agree with all that. I mean, I think it's hard because like the the idealist in me is it, I understand that, but I am I'm somebody who I'm a pretty hardcore All NBA person, and and it's interesting because you know Bill Simmons had this rule that basically. He doesn't like that. That players have to play two thirds of the season, and that he doesn't play. I mean, he doesn't put on all NBA players who play on losing teams. Uh, and it's so interesting, fascinating because right now, what I think when you hear most people's all NBA team, you know, Dame and Luke uh, Luca would not be in the playoffs right now. Like, like as in they're not even in the play in. It's not that they didn't make the playoffs. They're not even in the play-in right now. And those are a lot of who people see. And, and I'm somebody, if I had a vote, and I'll never have a vote probably, uh, like they're, just, they're dismissed. Like I do not put anybody on an all-NBA team that does not make a play-in, let alone the playoffs. That's just that's the way I think of it because I don't think you can have an all-NBA season and be on a team that does not make the playoffs. You know, I have that like if you're one of the top 15 team, uh, guys in the league, like your team made the playoffs, you won. Like that's ultimately what matters, you know. And so, like for me, like you can put up a triple double, like Russell Westbrook, um, for a season, and that's unbelievable. But all those numbers are empty if your team's not winning. That that's the way I think. And his teams actually did do good enough. But uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to see because uh, right now you have a bunch of guards who missed a lot of games. So like a Steph Curry, who most people would still say best guard. Uh, you know, definitely top two guard, I think, in the NBA. But is he going to play enough games? He's going to only play around 50 games probably this season. I mean, that's almost that's almost half the season miss. Can you give a guy all NBA when he's done that? You know, and then obviously the Luka Dame, both of them, you know, haven't 
have teams that are really struggling. You have SGA, who now the Thunder are coming on late, but he's another guy who's had an unbelievable season, but his team is below 500. You know, so it's like it's a it's a real interesting case. And you have Donovan Mitchell, um, but a lot of people think that he's actually not been great for the team in the clutch, uh, even though his numbers have been good. Like I think Donovan Mitchell is one of the guys that's going to be pretty it's gonna be pretty hard to leave him um, off first or second team because his team's good and his his stats are good. And uh, so who knows? But it but it's an interesting argument, and I do feel like the the way this last week has gone, if that continues. I do kind of predict that Jaw is going to sneak onto one of the All NBA teams because I think it's just going to be too hard to keep him off. One of my preseason predictions was that Jaw would make the second team All NBA, but it would be considered a snub. And I think that being considered a snub is is depends on who you ask. And so I think we will be hopefully as fair as possible when we're looking at things um, at the end of the season and how they shake out. But yeah, I, I'm. I'm also nervous that a ton of these people and who have votes are going to use the parity in the Western Conference as sort of a, oh, this is an anomaly, so we can forego our rules. And I tend to agree with you. Like, it does not – it's funny how Luka has been kind of the shoe-in on everybody's first-team All-NBA all season. And then it's like, who's the other guard going to be on first-team? Well, I would take it even – I would take a step back and say, like, are we even sure Luka deserves to be – on this first team all NBA spot. And so I, I tend to agree with you just from a philosophical standpoint. I just can't wait to see how it yeah, plays it out. So let's, yeah, I mean, it drives me crazy. Everybody like, uh, the good stats, bad team guy. Uh, Oh, we can't really like, Oh yeah. That rookie's putting up amazing stats, but does it really matter? Cause he's not playing in meaningful games. Well, th- that matters for Dame Lillard too. <laughs> that, you know I mean? That, that matters that he's basically just now off the rest of the season because they they want to tank because they can't make the playoffs anymore. Like he didn't play last night. He was fine. He could have played. They didn't play him last night. So I just think that's the kind of stuff that, you know, like like I get it. He had like an amazing, like uh, amazing game, scored 70 points or whatever. But like that's easy to do when there's nothing really on the line, you know, that, that there's – that you can just kind of go out there and it's fine. Hey, yeah, give him all the shots. I mean it's – I mean, it's like their whole, you know, it's it's like what we did with Luke Kennard last night, which is, hey, we're up by thirty. We're going to make sure you break the record by by continuing to try to get you feed you the ball, um, like that. That can happen on bad teams for like a whole game for for guys. And so I just I think you have to take that stuff. So anyway, sorry, it's my little rant. I get annoyed about it. I just I hate it when winning uh, is not considered, uh, and people just look at stats. And I think in kind of our analytics. And we love it. I mean, obviously, we love analytics. Uh, we, we get, you know, we can lose hours in cleaning on the glass and stuff. But uh, just like ultimately it is about do you win the game? Do you win games? So let's take a break for a message from our sponsor. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TBPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm laughing now that I reference Kansas State 
in my March Madness comparison because they play tonight against Florida Atlantic, and it would just be right for FAU to take down Kansas State and my whole analogy hinging upon their success to be completely obliterated. So really I should have said any of these teams in the Elite Eight as they're getting hot instead of just picking one because that's kind of how this tournament has gone. So you can, you know, egg on my face if Kansas State ends up losing. Um, But hopefully they just went out. Um, Okay, so let's empty the notebook here on the games uh, that happened this past week because I think the biggest stories for me were were the jaw return and kind of the Luke Kennard game. I, I wanted to reference Jaron Jackson just continuing his, his dominance. I mean, it's not as if he had the hardest matchups in the world, but I, I've heard the stats on the amount of dunks he's had this season in comparison to last season. I love that. It's, I think, a sign of aggression. We, you and I both, along with the rest of our Grizzden crew and some friends, got to see the live podcast of the mismatch on Tuesday night at the New Daisy. I want to unpack that more with the rest of the game when we get everybody back together. But it was fun to see Jaron interviewed there. He had some funny uh, quotes and some just really great things to say. And it's just his, his confidence, I think, has never been higher. And so I just wanted to shout out Jaron again on this podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, especially even with Ja coming back. I think he had his best game of the season against the Rockets on Ja's return. And that's, that's to me, like the number one thing I was going to be watching with, was how Jaron played when Ja came back and whether he was going to defer. And it seems as though he just, he, he's almost a new player. Like I think he, is, he has officially, in my mind, evolved. And we, we should have a new baseline now for Jaron. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it continues. And I do think, you know, I think the, the grain of salt is, is wise. I mean, as obviously I'm, I'm one to be able to get exuberance. Uh, and we did play an underhanded Mavs team and uh, to, you know, and Rockets team that's really, really rough. But I will say that Jaron has been doing this. You know, he did it against teams like the Warriors. They're really good. Uh, you know, he did this, you know, I, honestly, the only bad game he's kind of had in this stretch, like really bad was, I think, the at Lakers game, um, where kind of Anthony Davis outplayed him. But honestly, that was in response to him outplaying Anthony Davis and dunking on his head, you know, at home. And, you know, when you think, you know, when we get matchups with really great players and when Anthony Davis is right, he's an amazing player. Like he's not just going to continue to get dominated uh, and punked by Jaron. So in that sense, I just think Jaron's been great. Uh, I mean, this is a continuing trend. And I think and and honestly, even last year, he would not have punished the bad teams like we would have. Jaron would have been there. He would have been amazing on defense like he is. But he would have not been like, oh, I'm the best player on the court. Uh, and I can just destroy this team because they have nobody who can even think about guarding me. And just that mentality is just, it's new. Like you're saying, it's just brand new and it's exciting to see. And I'm excited uh, for him taking that into the playoffs for sure. He still does the weird, still does the weird hook thing. He got it last night again. That's like the one thing that, uh, you know, just don't bring that arm up. Uh, the the refs love you know it's as much as college basketball refs love to call charges, <laughs> NBA refs love to call the hook. They love to call any kind of offensive advantage you get with the off arm. So uh, Jaron just hopefully continues to work on that, and we don't see that in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, a few things from the Mavericks game. Jaron obviously was great, twenty eight and four in that game. Um, the fourth quarter. Holding the Mavericks to only 12 points, just unbelievable lockdown that we played. It's really and it nine. Was a, it's really, it was really nine. Really, that's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Dylan, 
Dylan got his 18th technical foul, uh, making fun of Theo Pinson on the sideline as a cheerleader. Amazing quotes after yes. the game. Lucky for Dylan, his suspension, which is now the second suspension of the year from, from surpassing the threshold in technical fouls again, and it was against the Rockets, and it was a lot closer uh, and would have been, I mean, you look at his Dylan's impact on Jalen Green on last night and compare the two games, like, it, it is obvious that Dylan made an impact, but we didn't necessarily need him to win. So, yeah, the amazing fourth quarter, Dylan's suspension, and then also Santi Aldama, in my opinion, the quietest career night of all time. 22 points, 14 rebounds, two assists. Just overall, I mean, was 6 for 12, played 28 minutes, and I couldn't have... T- if you told me that Santi was 8 and 4, after that game, I would have believed you. But at the same time, if you watch the tape back, like it is amazing all the little things that he's doing. He's hitting shots. He's eight for nine from the line, from the free throw line. So I think that definitely helped out a lot, but was aggressive, was just playing in the team concept and let the game come to him, accumulated a career night on a night when we really did. I mean, we were down and really did have to come back in that fourth quarter. And he was part of that bench lineup that really helped to bring us back. Um, and hit some key key shots down the stretch. So shout out Santi, yeah. um, quietest career night ever, but it came at the right time. And sh- shout out to my dad, who was at the game with me, and uh, just kept talking about how he really likes that Santi guy. And <laughs> and I kind of was like, you know, I was I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's great. But uh, but then it's like, but then looking. Uh, like I think you texted that he got twenty two fourteen, and I was like, oh, like my dad was just seeing the game in a way that I just couldn't see. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, that's the the rebounding, especially. I mean, obviously, I love that he scored twenty two points. We need scoring, uh, but that's you know that is the rebounds. I mean, if we can from this sort of new offensive lineup, the five out lineups with Jaron and Santi or Jaron and Roddy. Um, or even I guess that crazy lineup, which was Santi and Roddy, like if they can get rebounds, that's just so huge because we are plus in so many other areas. And I do think that he's he's still he's still only twenty one. He's still so young. If he, I feel like he's starting to get a knack for these long rebounds. And uh, and if he can start to do that, I mean uh, that that that's just it's huge. It's huge for us if he can rebound. I only had one other note from this week's games and it was that Alperin Shingoon continues to be the woat for me <laughs> earlier in the season when we played the Rockets I think it was like the third game when Ja had whatever 40 or 50 one between there uh and I just cannot stand watching Alperin Shingoon play basketball yes he's skilled if you listen way back to when we were uh, unpacking the prospects we liked in his draft. Mm-hmm. Like he was on my board because of how crafty he was just the different, uh, he had an old school game, but man, he has that flop mentality every single time he's by the rim. He argues just incessantly with the referees and on a team that is terrible he has been one of their few bright spots, but at the same time, to me, it obviously hasn't translated all the way yet to winning, and he's still young. And I'm luckily, the officials are starting to notice, and I think they definitely didn't call as many as he wanted them to call or thought that he should have deserved. 
But, man, I just hate watching that guy play basketball. So I just had to mention it because it's been a while since we've been able to talk about the Rockets, thankfully, and I just had to bring that back up. Yeah, no, he uh, I, he's the kind of guy who I just get nervous. Like it, like one of those, he's going to freak injure somebody just by the weird way he moves and flail. Like it, there's this weird, like he's going to end up injuring somebody just by the way he kind of plays. It's weird. So I always get like, it's like I get, there's a level of nervousness when he's just in the game with our players and going to the basket and he's around because I feel like he's going to try to take some charge and undercut him in a weird way. I don't know. I just don't. He's... He, you know, he, there's like, he's not in Clay Thompson level worst here, but he's, he's a, he's below that, but he is, he is the worst as well. So he's also in my tier, the, Julius Randle for the same reason I've talked about before, yeah. but that's he, Julius Randle plays like a linebacker and it's the same thing where I just don't want our players to be on the same court as a right. guy who's going to do those types of things. I really love, I wish that Shingun had leaned more into the Dylan off the backboard to Jaron, um, alley-oop dunk and that Shingun could have been in that poster but he smartly backed out of that as soon as he could but man that was one of the the highlight plays and I I was I was glad it was on old Alper and Shingun any any other notes from this past yeah, so, I mean the one big game? note for me is just uh I mean and I've been saying it so until I'm proven wrong I'll keep saying it we have an unbelievable home court advantage. It's it's why, despite when we were slumping and we went through a pretty rough January and February um, in terms of kind of the how we play and, and just looking like ourselves, we kept winning games at home. And, uh, you know, besides a couple, th- you know, th- there was a couple out there. But, I mean, we've only lost five home games all year. Uh, you know, and like I said, in that weird stretch, the Portland loss is the one that really stands out as just being weird. Like almost all the other losses, uh, you know, in that Suns loss that I think you attended, which was around Christmas. But like almost all the other losses, it was great teams uh, and us missing people. And and even then, all those games were close. And so we just have uh, – and that Dallas game to me, and it was not surprising. Again, I know we keep talking about the live podcast we went to, but it's not surprising to me that uh, that Kevin O'Connor and House, I bet, will have a more positive view of the Grizzlies for the rest of the season because they witnessed us not playing great, us being down 16 and then 13 going in the fourth quarter, pulling out that lineup, the plus 66 lineup, uh, and just the crowd. Like, it's hard for me to describe, I was there, what how the crowd lifted that lineup and, and not just lifted the lineup, intimidated the Mavs. And it was, you know, again, it was the Mavs. It was a, you know, they didn't have Kyrie at the beginning. He came back in. He wasn't 100%. But I even think Kyrie got thrown. I mean, it was a playoff type, we are not going to let our team lose. We are going to cheer our team back into it. That I And I just think, and, that, and, and it was not, I wouldn't say like, oh, this is a playoff game against the Warriors. You know, I would say the intensity at the Warriors game was even higher uh, last Saturday. But I would just say that, that I just feel really strong about our home court advantage against any teams in the playoffs. And I just like, uh, I just think we we're going to bring it. I think our crowd is ready. I think uh, as opposed to last year, we were still getting used to this team, getting used to being good. I think this is the year that, you know, maybe this is like total romance here, but like I'm being a romantic, but this is the year I think our crowd realizes we can, we can do something and we can, we can help our team, you know, on the home court with how we cheer, with how we get behind them. 
And, uh, and that kind of goes with the good vibes. I mean, that's why I felt like with FedEx forum, even last night too, just these, the, the good vibes on stuff. And I, I'm, and I'm excited. That's why I think keeping, holding on to the two seat is huge. Um, you know, because I think that, uh, looking at the bracket with Denver on the other side, you know, they're going to have some tough matchups. I mean, we could have home court advantage all the way to the finals if we could keep winning. And, and I just think we're going to be, it's going to be really hard to come into our place and beat us in a playoff game. I, I really, really think that. And so, so I think that's exciting to see that we've kind of brought that back and sort of have that, um, you know, we're the best, we're the best home court team in the NBA. And I don't think it's a, it's not a fluke. Uh, it's real. I realize as I'm clicking into my sheet that I didn't read our stats at the top. So I'm going to do that now. And then we're going to talk through briefly the matchups for this upcoming stretch uh, 46 and 27, the Grizzlies are second in the conference, sixth in the NBA, no longer tied with the Kings. We've surpassed the Kings, uh, for the time being, at least offensive rating, 114.7. That's good for 11th. We just jumped up five spots in six. <laughs> Thank you Rockets. <laughs> yes. Amen. Defensive rating at 110.2. That's good for third net rating at a 4.5. That's good for fourth in the entire NBA point differential per cleaning the glass 5.6. That's good for third in the NBA. All right, so we've got a game tomorrow. We're recording right now on Saturday morning. We've got a game tomorrow at Atlanta, and then we're back home for three more. Uh, and we've got Orlando on Tuesday, the next night. So back-to-back at home, we have the Clippers, and then the Clippers are in town again for another one of these like two-game sets uh, on Friday night. And notably, the Clippers are going to be without Paul George, who had a very scary injury last week. I personally thought he was going to be done for the entire season. I didn't watch it live, but I unfortunately saw the replay. And luckily, he he avoided serious injury, luckily for them at least. And so we're going to, to me, my take on the schedule is these two Clippers games, setting aside the implications of maybe the final game, which is, 2.30 p.m. on April 9th in Oklahoma City against a Thunder team that might be playing for seeding or even a playoff spot period at that point. You look past these Clippers games, and frankly, I'm not even sure that the Clippers games are going to live up to this standard, but we're playing the Bulls, the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, and a Bucks team that's most likely going to be sitting guys the rest of the way, and then that Thunder game to close it out. So we're looking this week, to me, this might very well be the last serious basketball that the Grizzlies are playing against actual opponents that are going to be trying uh, for the rest of this season. And I think it's notable. So just keep in mind, if you're mapping out your, your games to go to and you are deciding between going to that Trailblazers game on April 4th or hitting up a game this week, this might be the week for you. Yeah, and uh, and uh, another note, uh, famous Grizz killer Norm Powell is also day to day, and so I, I think they they do expect him back. I think for those games, uh, but we don't know. But he is like definitely like been in and out, um, been been struggling uh, with some injury stuff, and so they might be without Norm Powell as well, who's who's one, who's on a short list. He's not like top tier Grizz killer, but he's he's there. Um, but no, I think that, and I think that's a good, uh, those would be some good tests. I mean, honestly, you know, we're not as good on the road playing Atlanta, um, who has been a very, you know, mediocre average team, but is a team that is one to place is, is trying to find them some things, trying to get what we were talking about, uh, trying to get the vibes back, the good vibes going into the playoffs. And, and they're still kind of, 
flirt with some seed. They're kind of stuck, I think, in, in where they're going to be. But, uh, but in that sense, they're trying to find the right balance. They have a new coach. So they're trying to figure some things out, but that, that's going to be a good. I mean, I they they're not just going to let us win that game. They're gonna they're gonna play hard. So that's a good team we're playing. It's going to be in the that's going to be in the playoffs. And then obviously, uh, you know, the Magic. Honestly, uh, I'm somebody who's been watching who watches a lot of Magic games. They they're like usually the first team to come on League Pass. So they're like a team you watch when you're waiting for the Grizzlies to come on for me. And and they're one of those teams that very much unlike I think even the Rockets are so bad. But like they're a team, if you don't bring uh, it, that, it, if you try to do the professional win thing and just kind of coast, you might find yourself caught. Um, and so I, f- I feel pretty good about it being at home. But that is a team that has a lot of really good players, and they'll come and they're, they're going to look for something to prove. And so, uh, so I think that'll be a good game as well. But obviously, the highlight, the 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 interest will be the Clippers. Uh, potentially, could we actually see Kawhi Leonard play at FedEx Forum? Uh, feels like it's been forever, and uh, and I look forward to playing those games against a team that you know could be like uh, I think right now is the four seed, which is crazy to me, um, but could also be the ten seed. Who knows? And uh, but they're going to be definitely playing to win, and and that's a team we could end up seeing in the playoffs in the first round or the second round. So, yeah, definitely. And speaking on the Magic, yeah, I think it's going to be really. They have some guys that are just fun to watch, and so right. if you're looking for something to do this next week, the mat you could do way worse than going to see the Orlando Magic. Uh, they're definitely not in the realm of like the Spurs or the Pistons or or even like the yeah. or even like the Hornets. Like they have guys that you're going to want to go out and see, and they're putting it together. So I mean, they, 31 wins yeah. on the season. They're they're not just a throwaway game. The Hawks, I never know what to think about when we play the Hawks because for whatever reason, they've been one of those teams that just seems to beat us when we're favored. And I don't know what the line is, but I assume we're going to be favored going to their place tomorrow night. And then at home against the Clippers, like my expectation is we might not see Kawhi for one of those just by virtue of the rest. I'm not sure. I need to click on their schedule to see what they have going on this next week because it could be, yeah, so they're... They're playing Monday and then coming to Memphis, so playing Wednesday and Friday. So I don't know. He might play both, but they do have a back-to-back after their Friday game at against the Grizzlies, and they're heading to New Orleans. And so you don't know which of those games that they're going to prioritize for Kawhi. So uh, I kind of hope we get – I want competitive basketball down the stretch. I don't want us to, to hit any sort of slump because of a lack of competition. And I don't think that our guys are wired that way. And I don't think Jenkins is wired that way until maybe the very, very end. But at the same time, you look and the plan gives you some legitimate time off before the playoffs. And so it's not as if you're, you're playing your last game on April 9th and then you're waking up two days later and you have a home playoff game. No, there's like a good four or five days in between to where you can actually It's almost like a little all-star break, honestly. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. One thing I will say one little small kind of, Sub note, which probably isn't a big deal, but like at least, hey, this is going to be the first road game Jaw plays in since coming back. <laughs> Atlanta is a city known uh, for people going out and partying. It is probably one of the top stops for young NBA players. Um, you know, I don't, I don't expect anything to come of it, but that is just like with what's everything that's gone on. I mean, at least it, it is something to mention that. This is the first road uh, game that Jaw will be traveling with the team. It's in a city where people like to go out and party and and have a good time and and uh, you know and also just the first time Jaw's going to interact with 
opposing fan bases. Now, Atlanta's probably, you know, there probably will be as many John Grizzlies fans there as Atlanta fans, but just that's just something to note. That'll be kind of as Jaws coming back, a new, you know, one of kind of the first experience of this. Yep, good point. Um, I, I still think I've had people ask me, you know, who who would you want to play? Who Which matchup would you want? And my answer is always just, it doesn't matter to me. I think the I'm not worried personally about the first round unless the Suns maybe somehow slip and KD looks good because he's returning this week. And um, I, I just think with this Paul George injury, I, I don't fear the Clippers as much anymore. And I also don't, I mean, we can't statistically have the Nuggets or play the Nuggets in, in, unless we drop all the way to four, which isn't going to happen. So I'm not worried about them until the conference finals. But everybody else, guys, like I'm at, I'm at a point where everybody has just as many questions as the next right. team. And so um, it really is going to come down to how is the team playing in the last week of the season. So I, I'm sitting here right now today at sort of a wait and see um, I know the Warriors ha- had a good win. They're five and five though in their last ten. So I mean they they won three straight, no, I mean, but still five and five in their last ten. So. It's I think we're us and the Thunder are like the two hottest teams in the West right now. I mean as far as like last ten, it's it's a weird yeah, and, and that's part of you know and we and we're you know our question mark now is just jaw does jog you know get acclimated back to playing you know mid you know thirty four thirty five minutes what do we look like and then you know. Are we going to get anything from Adams in the postseason? Like, is he is is he somebody that we can bring back in in the fold? Are we you know what are we going to hear probably that last week uh, about him? Like, is he done? Is he is he coming back? Could he make it a second round? But like, if you look up and down, like you were saying, I mean, the West is just the the Warriors are dealing with the Wiggins situation. Uh, you know the 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 Timberwolves are dealing with the Anthony Edwards situation, plus trying to bring Cat back into the fold. Uh, you know, the Clippers, obviously you said Paul George injury. I mean, just, it's like every single team has these big question marks and, and, you know, it's just hard to know, you know, who we, who we'd be playing. And that's why I think you're right. I just think focus on getting the two seed. Like it seems like the one seed just with the remaining schedule for Denver is going to, is just too far away, but get the best seed we can and then just, you know, see who we play. Well, this has been a fun edition of the Weekend Update. It's always way more fun when we have three wins to talk about uh, rather than any losses. So let's keep the good vibes going. We have uh, four games, like I said, this upcoming week. So let's let's continue the winning ways. I'm re- I have a lot. I have a lot into this eight and two prediction for whatever reason. Anything like before this is just whatever. But like, I I want to hit this eight and two. Let's go for nine and one. Let's go ten yeah. and zero. I don't just just anything eight or above. I'm good with it. We will have the full game back together very soon. We will be talking um, all of like all of the big stories going into the playoffs and maybe even talk through who we would put on our awards. And oh by the way, I did a review of our NBA futures. And I want to review that with everybody because things are going to be coming down the stretch. It, it, it's a lot on the line here, and, and it could go a lot of different directions. So we're going to review that with the people. But uh, for Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week then.